Welcome back to Closure Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellet. This is the last week of Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're ending with a great episode. So normally, when we reference adversity in the context of sport, it deals with a situation which puts the onus on the athlete to interpret. Whether it's a missed opportunity or a season-ending injury, these are the moments that shape an athlete's perspective on his or her personal success. For today's guest, his blood, sweat, tears, and years of dedication to football were wiped away in a matter of 15 minutes. Meet Michael Manswell. As a junior in high school, he found the sport and exercise psychology bachelor's degree at West Virginia University. After watching his older brother play soccer for the Mountaineers, Manswell was ready to start the rest of his life in Morgantown. When he found out on social media that the WVU football team was holding walk-on tryouts, he was itching to continue his playing career. The first time he tried out, the call didn't come. That next spring, following a second round of tryouts, Manswell got a call from the director of football operations welcoming him to the two-week extended workout period. After we tried out, we had about a two-week um, just extended uh, evaluation process to where the walk-ons who made the team, you know, we had to go through our own workouts, basically. And that was brutal because, you know, they're we're getting up at, you know, 4.30 in the morning to be there at the facility by five and we're working out and we're training and stuff like that. And it's really the, the make or break week, right? Because the kids who, you know, either showed up late or, you know, uh, had a bad attitude or stuff like that, it was the testing period. So me understanding that going into it, I really just had to change my mindset where it's like, this is no longer just, okay, I'm gonna show up and you know try out. This is, I have to prove myself. So um, it was about me, almost 10 other walk-ons that made it that year. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was just brutal, just early morning workouts um, consistently for about two weeks. And if you made it, you officially like were on the team and you started like spring practice and spring ball and stuff like that. So for me, it was just really relying on the, the faith I had to get there. And then now it was just the mental resilience and the physical resilience to really just show, show them why I deserve to be on this team, if that makes sense. During his time with WVU football, Manswell got a glimpse at the student-athlete lifestyle and what it took to make a name for yourself as a walk-on on a Division I team. The overall experience, like... It's, it's, it's way different than just playing on Saturday nights, you know, like that's what a lot of people tend to overlook is like, there's the entire process leading up to that. Like, we're not just, you know, going to practice and eating, working out, and then we just show up and play on Saturday. The, you know, the student athlete lifestyle in general, whether D1, D2, D3, you have, you know, your 5am workouts, you have all your classes that you have to maintain. You have to excel in those classes to uh, maintain your eligibility to even be on the team. Then you have your, you know, competition aspect where you're fighting for a roster spot, you're fighting for a scholarship, you're fighting for, you know, the coaches, you know, attention and approval. Then you get to the actual, you know, game experience. You're defending, uh, you know, maybe like a conference title or you're trying to upset, you know, a major team like there's so much more that goes into being an athlete rather than just, oh, I got to go to go to class and go to um, go to the facility. Like, I think that's the, the biggest thing is that people just overlook the entire process. So until you've lived it or until you've associated yourself in it, you're not going to understand it. And that's just, you know, plain and simple. 
Now that he had a locker at the stadium and was practicing with the scholarship players, gearing up for the 2015 spring game was his first chance to prove that he belonged. So, you know, spring ball happens and we're doing well. And I'll actually talk about my experience in the spring game, but the summer was huge for me because like I had a set of goals that I set to where I knew I had to accomplish them and get myself mentally and physically ready for uh, training camp and like the season in August. So for me, it was very, very like heartwarming where at the end of the summer, we did like summer uh, workout awards. And I actually won an award. It was like the most consistent, like not near award or something like that, because I was one of the, um, one of the few teammates who never missed an entire workout over a three month period. And, you know, when I stood up and we were in the team meeting room and, um, you know, the lead strength coach called my name and I got like a free shirt, I got free gear. Um, and, you know, I had clap, uh, my teammates clapping for me. It was one of those moments where I was like, I'm starting to put my name on the map and the hard work and the sacrifices I had to do, like was paying off in the long run. So for me, that was one of those situations where I was just fortunate to where I knew what I wanted to do. I knew how I needed to do it. I just had to execute it. The biggest game changer for me was probably leading up to the spring game because I got moved. So I tried out and walked on as a wide receiver, made it, you know, I was practicing and then came spring ball. I got moved to cornerback and I don't usually play defense, but we had a couple of guys uh, injured at the time. So the coach was like, do you mind switching so that we can have extra time? I was like, yeah, I'm sure no problem. Wanted to prove my versatility and just commitment to the team. So I remember, you know, the spring games on where uh, it was like a televised event. So I was on TV for the first time. Uh, my mom came, my mom came down to visit and it was just a big deal. So for me, it was like, this is my first live action experience at the division one level. Like we're no longer just practicing. We're no longer in the weight room. And this was the year of 2015 where we had I'm pretty sure everybody who touched the field on offense and defense had at least three plus years of starting experience or playing experience. So we're playing against all veteran guys. And here I am, this young, young, wide-eyed freshman at the time. So I remember, you know, the, the game goes on and I get put into uh, one of the series towards the end of the game. And I remember that I get put in and I'm running the defense and like, so much is running through my head. I was like lined up against the receiver, defensive coaches calling out the, uh, you know, the audibles, the teammates are communicating. It was just a lot going on. And about three plays into the series, um, the wide receiver ran like a post route. The quarterback threw it, but he threw it like kind of behind him. So I was right there behind him, perfect timing. And I got the ball and I got an interception. Really, I'm not going to lie. It was one of those situations where, like, I fell on the ground. Um, we got points on the board for defense because, uh, you know, if you get a turnover, you add points to defense. And when I got up, like, I just exploded, like, with excitement. I was just like, I was like, I made it. I was like, I'm going to be a starter. I was like, you know, I deserve to be here. Uh, I was like, Tavon would be so proud of me and stuff like that. Just so much happened at once. And for me, it was even a bigger deal because – all the like starters and the defensive players um, on the sideline were going crazy because they were just, you know, hyping us up because, you know, as walk-ons, like we live for moments like these to get rec to get recognized from, uh, you know, coaches and validated from our teammates. So I get up, I start talking trash to the, uh, the offensive sideline and, um, 
you know, it was just a great celebration moment, like in that, in that moment, like, you know, all the workouts, all the early mornings, all the, you know, all the yelling from the coaches and stuff like that. It was those type of moments where it's like, it's all worth it. Like, I don't even care. It's all worth it. Manswell continued to work hard for the team over the summer, and suddenly the regular season was underway. After WVU's Week 2 win over Liberty, Manswell went out post-game to celebrate with his teammates. One of those teammates got into a verbal altercation, and in the span of a few minutes, Manswell's life direction changed. As they were fighting, so I stayed out of it because I was just like, this isn't worth it. I was like, I don't want to be put in a position of just like losing everything I just worked for. Um... But, you know, I stayed out of it, and then just unfortunately one of the people that they were fighting had, like, pocket knife, apparently, like, hidden in his fist. So as he was actually fighting, he was, you know, stabbing people. And unfortunately, he stabbed three friends that I was with, and two were my roommates and teammates. And then the other friend was a very close friend of mine. Fortunately, they were, you know, not, uh, what is it, not life-threatening injuries or anything like that. But it was still just, like, a WTF moment to say the least. So that was, you know, late Saturday evening. Uh, they go to the hospital, they get stitched up, they made a recovery. That following Sunday, uh, I had a meeting with the um, strength and conditioning coach. He came to find me, he told me to find my position coach at the time. And I was eating lunch with my one friend who um, was stabbed. We were eating lunch and we were getting ready to do our workout. He was about to go to the the medical treatment team and we leave after the coach cup talks to us and we find the running back coach at the time. So we talked to him and he was like, uh, you need to go clean out your locker. And I was like, I was like, okay. I was like, okay. So they know about the situation. So I told him like face to face, I was like, all right, coach, well, I, like whatever happens or whatever conversations you're going to have, I just want you to know, like, I didn't do anything. I'm just letting you know, point blank period. He was like, yeah, he was like, yeah, man, I appreciate that. He was like, just clean out your locker until you figure out what's going on. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. It's, if it's protocol, okay, cool. So I go downstairs and there's an equipment manager in front of my locker, like cleaning it out. And I paused for a second. I was like, I was like, I just got told to clean out my locker. So why is somebody else cleaning out my locker? So apparently there was another communicate, like miscommunication that I was not a part. So I get the rest of my like, you know, personal belongings, but he takes my helmet, he takes my shoulder pads, cleans it out. So I get the rest of my stuff. And I go upstairs and the director of football, football operations comes and finds me. And uh, he's like, my, he was like, man, well, let me talk to you. And he goes up and he goes, uh, uh, he's like, yeah, unfortunately we're gonna have to dismiss you, and dismiss you from the team. And mind you, this is all within not even like a 10 to 15 minute window. But, you know, it was one of those situations where, unfortunately, yeah, I got kicked off the team. And that was when I was really, like, distraught. I was just, like, my entire, you know, world really just crashed within 15 minutes, um, literally less than 24 hours. Um, and that was just a life-altering event for me. So that event was really, like, what opened my eyes to, like, the world of mental health, right? because obviously I knew of like stress, anxiety, depression, stuff like that. But up to that point, I me personally, like I was 18 at the time. That was my first like major mental health moment where for almost a year and a half after that, getting kicked off the team, I was going through depression and anxiety um, like very, very badly. So 
that was how, you know, my career ended. Like it wasn't an injury. Um, I didn't say like, oh, you know what, this is too much and I quit. Um, I didn't have to like, you know, retire. It was just one of those wrong place, wrong time, wrong situation um, events. And that's just, that's just how it was. In an instant, everything he'd worked toward was gone. Manswell tried to try out two additional times to no avail. Guilty by association, he now had an abundance of time to figure out how to proceed. The fact that I was someone who was able to walk on at a major D1 university, someone to contribute early on in their career, and then someone who was on path to just eventually, hopefully earn playing time, early, earn a scholarship, that was everything I was focused on. So for me to lose everything the way I did, it was one of those things where it's like, what was the point of being an athlete? Like, if this is a reality that is, you know, destined to happen almost. If it was like an injury, it would just be like, yeah, you know, I got hurt in practice or I got hurt in the game or something like that. It would have made a little bit more sense to me. But because it didn't make any sense, it was like, did I really just, you know, wake up at 5 a.m. all these, all these months, you know, lift all these heavy weights, study all this film just to be kicked off for something I didn't do. I was really in a, um, I was in a crossroads with like the standards of sport and the ethics of sport versus like your personal satisfaction and, you know, commitment and fulfillment to being an athlete. So for me, it was one of those things where I was like, I had to accept that my athletic career was over, plain and simple. So now it's, now that that's out the way, what are you going to do? And that's when I, you know, fortunately made the decision to just, you know, put the time and effort that I was going to be, you know, the next big W football star. And I just took it to be the next big, I guess at the time, CPAS star, because that was, you know, the organization we were affiliated with. And I was like, you know, after, after a while, it was just like, all right, well, let me just turn this negative into a positive. As Manswell focused more on his sports psychology coursework, he realized that the piece that connected him to the curriculum was watching the implementation occur. So for me, it was one of those things where it was rewarding, but it was just very, very traumatizing because it was just like, I did all of this. So I'm not saying like, you know, I was an expert, but I was like, this is what I did for, you know, these last nine, almost nine and a half months. I was doing all this and then to have it taken away, it was just like, I had nowhere to apply it, but I wasn't thinking that I could just apply the same stuff in the school. I was just so focused on sport that that's why I was never satisfied. The best mental principle that Manswell learned during that personal growth time period was resiliency. Resilience. That's probably hands down the most important one. And why I say resilience is because regardless of what you go through, persevering through it, with the mindset that this is going to make me better is what separates people apart. So for example, like I got kicked off the team. I was home, you know, after school, I was just done class. I go back to my apartment. I was supposed to be, you know, filling that gap with practice and film, and all that other stuff. So now I have like almost like nine and a half hours back to myself. That's not devoted to sport. So I remember at the time I was like, might as well just do homework. Like, I ain't got nothing else to do. And I would knock out like a week's worth of assignments within like Monday and Tuesday. Like if we got it that early for the week, I would just knock everything out. And for me, that was a great strategy because 
it not only gave me more free time to just, you know, just self-care or, you know, whatever other projects I had to work on, but it just made me realize like the importance of just getting through stuff, but in a productive way. So I say resilience because I'm as re I'm more resilient now than I was on the team. And that's saying something like, even for me to be a walk on and, you know, play early um, in the spring game and, and, you know, be recognized. I am more resilient now than I was almost six and a half years ago, which is like scary to think about because I haven't applied that in to sport and or at anything athletic in a long time. Like, yeah, you know, I go to the gym and I work out, but it's like, it's not the same as training. It's not the same as, you know, um, you know, competing against other people um, for a roster spot. So for me, it was like resilience because that situation of being kicked off the team prepared me in a, in a weird way. It prepared me to get a master's. It prepared me to graduate from West Virginia with honors, prepared me to work at IMG Academy, prepared me to uh, have the last two, two full-time jobs I've had while I've been in Pittsburgh. Resilience has gotten me through so much, but it was from being kicked off the team. It wasn't even about competing from the team. Following graduation with honors from the College of Physical Activity and Sports Sciences, he found himself struggling to find a graduate program to fit his path. Once more, adversity reared its ugly head, and once more, Manswell found a way to overcome. So at West Virginia, I originally wanted to go to grad school and just get my master's in sports psychology. So during the application process, I applied to three schools and I got denied by all of them. So for me, I was like, well, I was like, I just graduated with honor or like, I will be graduating with honors. You know, I was a former student athlete. I'm, we're at, you know, West Virginia is probably the number one sports psychology program in the country, probably in the world right now. And I was like, I was denied. I was like, well, okay. So I was fortunate enough that because I got denied, I got the opportunity to go to IMG Academy, which is the number one boarding school in the world and like a mecca of sport for a variety of professionals within the world of athletics. So I accepted a job as an assistant strength and conditioning coach. And I accepted the job, went through the application process and I officially started my career like June 20th is when I started. And I graduated from West Virginia like May 11th. So I had less than a month to be home, pack my stuff, um, you know, find a spot. I, I, I found my roommates I needed to live with and we moved down to Florida. As he relocated to Bradenton, Manswell took into account his new position. Strength and conditioning and the mental game intersect and he placed himself right at the crossroads. This is a perfect opportunity for me to incorporate sports psychology to strength and conditioning because it's still physical development and obviously there's going to be a mental de development. So that was my mindset. So going into IMG, I was just like, I just need to learn the world of strength and conditioning and you know, for IMG to take a take a chance on someone who like I didn't get my bachelor's in um, what is it kinesiology or you know strength and conditioning or athletic coaching even it was just the fact that when I did my interviews I was like you know I'm big on sports psychology um, athletes need to learn you know core fundamental skills that they can apply into training performance practice and then obviously you know recovery where it was like I'm excited for the challenge to do something I don't have a lot of experience in. And um, after the summer, they extended me uh, and I was promoted to like assistant strength and conditioning coach for IMG. 
for the fall semester, fall, after fall semester, they extended me again to the spring. And that's really when I started to, you know, work my way into, um, you know, getting more and more of their trust because they were able to put me as basically the lead strength and conditioning coach for a majority of the summer camps that came through IMG. So I'm working with kids on a weekly basis from international and domestic areas of the globe, really. And I was working with uh, football players, basketball players, soccer players, tennis players, baseball players. Uh, good Lord, anything with the ball at that point. IMG was such an important gap year for me because obviously, yes, it was my first foot in the door. And yes, I was making money as a recent grad, but I understood the benefit of professional development, which made me even a stronger applicant for when I applied for grad school. Established in 1978 on the backs of famed tennis coach Nick Boletari and the renowned tennis program, IMG Academy offered Manswell the opportunity of a lifetime to work closely with up-and-coming tennis stars. I mean, the staff knew way more than me, so I learned from them, implemented how they coached and created my own coaching strategy. And it was just something that I was able to create a foundational blueprint that led me to success, you know, to be extended, what, twice? Yeah, to be extended um, twice to the point where it's like the tennis department, the tennis coaches were like every week, like, Michael, thank you. Um, not a lot of coaches like, you know, who start out in tennis are like this productive with it because not a lot of people know about tennis. So, you know, they can't put in effort if they don't know much about it. And, you know, um, one of my bosses, uh, Coach Utaka, uh, who is uh, the head of the tennis program at the time, you know, we had plenty of talks of like getting his expertise because he's worked with some of the top uh, tennis athletes around the world, like Serena and Maria. And like, he was telling me like his experiences and like how IMG has grown and stuff like that. So I just really, I had a lot of people to learn from, which is really what led to my success because I just took what they told me and implemented in a way that made sense to me. And then obviously made sense to the kids. In the boarding school setting, Manswell was able to observe the mental strain that being away from family and focusing intently on competition bred. Although he was hired in the strength and conditioning capacity, he regularly made notes of the way the mental game was manifesting in these youth athletes. Tennis camp would range really from like a week to several months if you can afford it, if you wanted to. So for me, a lot of the things I recognized from my athletes were common trends like being homesick, um, obviously just having the pressure of having to compete with the top athletes in your age in your age range and in your sport on a consistent basis and really like learning how to be a prospect at a young age and then you have the kids who aren't as good aren't as athletic or coordinated and they may be stressed out that you know they'll never live up to the potential they have or the coaches may have or whatever they may be um so for me i really paid attention to that stuff and that's kind of like what kept chipping away at me from a mental health standpoint which obviously led to me leaving and getting my master's because it was just like, you know, these kids are still human. You know what I mean? Like just because you can, you know, be the top, you can be like number one in your 
um, you know, your division, your age range, like you're still a human. And so for me, like, I remember like a couple of my athletes would be like, oh, you know, my parents are putting a lot of pressure on me being here or, um, you know, I really want to dominate this upcoming tournament, but like I'm dealing with like injury and stuff like that. So for me, it was just really just being a support system for them, just someone they can, you know, feel comfortable talking about and me just doing my best to put themselves physically in the best position possible to dominate whatever their goals were, whether it be um, working on a specific technique, um, learning the fundamentals to implement and grow off what we're trying to develop and um, just, you know, dominating the tennis, you know, sport in general. So those are the common trends that I saw during my time on IMG. After seeing the accolades and prestige that playing D1 football offered him, Manswell took that mentality shift and superimposed it on the youth athletes he worked with. He prioritized humility and staying humble, which was difficult when he was working with the best in the world. For me, it was treating them no different than a kid who just picked up a tennis racket. Because for me, once you create a disconnect, people start maybe feeling like entitled. People might start feeling like, not necessarily like confident, but like cockiness and arrogance can, can brew from that. Cause they're just like, oh, well, why do I need to compete? Like, you know, if I'm number one in the state or number one, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, reality checks can happen at any time in sport. And I felt like that was like one of the things I always used to preach to my athletes. It's like, yo, I don't care if you're, um, if you're number one in your, in your class or you're number one in your age group, you have to be willing to put in the work regardless. So that way, if you are number one, you can maintain your, you know, your leverage and your prestige, but don't be shocked when someone who is ranked bottom 25, maybe even top five, and they derank you, now what? And I felt like that was a great, like, teaching and coaching aspect that I really enjoyed was, like, putting people in the perspective that you can be great and still want to work. And like you said, that's how the top elite athletes across all professional sports have maintained their dominance for years and some athletes even decades because no matter how good they are no matter how many championships they want they still consistently put in the work that's why athletes are such a very unique population among the human population people outside of the realm treat them with you know a lot of respect a lot of stuff is like you know borderline like creepy like it's like all right like calm down. i know you're excited but like calm down and it's one of those things where Athletes can perceive and, you know, process that information as, well, this is how people should always treat me. It's like, no, that's not the case. Or it's one of those things where athletes are so, so destined to be great, they're willing to put off and sacrifice other outside things like just socializing with their family, socializing with their friends, just growing up in general, being a kid. Understanding that, you know, teaching a 14 year old, it's like, dog, whoever you are, never lose sight of who, like, never lose sight of obviously the goal of what you want to accomplish in profession. Like, I'll never tell a kid, like, you shouldn't be focusing on the Olympics right now. I'm like, yo, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. But on the journey to that, do things that make you happy. Being in the gym, the, the only place you go is home in the gym, home and gym, home and gym. That's what leads to burnout. That's what leads to early retirement. That's what leads to injuries. 
and stuff like that. So putting into perspective, like going to the movies is okay. Like you can go to the movies after you work out. Cool. Whatever. But incorporating just basic stuff like that, because a lot of kids will then come back stressed out. Oh, I didn't get the time I needed. I didn't get the, you know, the rank I needed. I didn't get the, you know, um, whatever they needed. And it's, you see a lot of kids putting a lot of pressure on themselves at such a young age that it creates that performance and anxiety. It creates those, you know, um, uh, issues like with emotional regulation or stuff like that. And it's just one of those things where it's, you're 14. You're not, you're not grown. You're not uh, an adult yet. So don't stress like one. Manswell was impressed with the amount of mental outlets IMG employed and agreed that although these individuals are competing as the best in their states, regions, and countries, they're still adolescents trying to figure life out. You're not just going to show up to IMG and a week later go and be great. Like, it's not, like, it's a process. So they emphasize, like, yes, you come here, you put in the work, you do what you're, do what you're uh, told that's going to put you on the right path. And yes, you can experience a large amounts of success, which is always the goal, um, especially in athletics. But it, they also do a great job just emphasizing and providing those resources where it's like, you don't have to do this by yourself. You don't have to put a lot of pressure on yourself. You want to put positive pressure on yourself. Like, if we came in here to win a championship, obviously you want to have that championship mindset, but then just also having those opportunities to rely on, you know, um, social interactions. Like it's still a high school or also like a little uh, mixed in with uh, middle school, but like it's a boarding school, like teacher or uh, uh, interact with your professors or your teachers, um, you know, join clubs, join, you know, uh, like outing of like social outing events like going to the movies with people or going swimming like do the entire experience don't just go to the weight room and then go home and then go to practice and it's like that's all you want to do it's like take advantage of the opportunities that are provided and then obviously network and um you know just learn those those social skills that's going to build you up for you know if you're a high schooler like if you want to go to the d1 level and prepare for the pros it's like learn it now, but you're just at a fundamental age where you're just a kid. And yes, you have a lot of potential. I'll never take that away from you, but it's like, you're a kid, like do the kid stuff. Following his time at IMG, Manswell applied for the Robert Morris University master's program in counseling psychology. With his sights set on becoming a certified mental performance consultant, coupled with the body of work he'd achieved in the academy setting, Manswell was accepted and relocated to Pittsburgh to begin his graduate studies. During that schooling, he developed Hype Consulting, his personal consulting brand, while he studies for the CMPC exam this June. As a young kid, I always enjoyed doing things that had a lot of potential to like pay off in the long run. So for me, like my first introduction to Hype was like playing sports and it's, you know, the competition aspect, the training aspect, um, the uh, marketing aspect, like, you know, we have two top teams going back and forth and, uh, you know, you have star players or star players, uh, you know, coaching debuts or, you know, established coaches. I just love the hype, right? So then when I got to West Virginia and I experienced it for the first time, like, I'll never forget the first night game in Morgantown. I was like, I was like in trance. I was like, I don't even know what's going on, but I need to be in this environment all the time. So then it was just one of those things where I was like, as someone who has accomplished a lot and 
in such a short period of time, you know, because it's been a couple of years, but it hasn't been too, too long. I always enjoy not only hyping myself up, which is like positive self-talk, uh, goal setting and stuff like that from what we learned from sports psychology. When I was going through my mental health stuff, I lost the hype. Like I lost that entire entity that I identified with and it was no longer there. And I had to work my way back up to regain it. So, you know, and then like when I announced I was going to IMG, everyone was, you know, like blowing up my phone. People were like, oh man, congrats. Like that's huge. Like IMG is this and that and the third. And then it was great to have that support from the outside. But then for me, it was just like, no, I'm someone who, who can be in these situations and thrive because, you know, I walked on at a division one school, did that, um, go to IMG as a fresh undergrad. That was huge. And then obviously the set, the third type of hype was when I got accepted into grad school. So now I'm like kind of back to square one when I have to prove myself. I'm like the momentum I've been gaining for myself has just always been positive and progressive to where it's like, I enjoy the chase. I enjoy the process. Hype consulting services include life and career coaching, personal development seminars, and mental performance coaching. Manswell says that although what he teaches can be complex, the prerequisites to working with him are only a few points, all of which are mentality driven. It was interesting. So like when I made the company, you know, my population for a majority of my life has been like the youth, adolescent, teen age. So for hype, I wanted to create it to an opportunity where it's universal to where like, because I've been able to work with kids, teens, young adults, adults and the older population i understand how to operate with everybody now everybody's obviously different everybody's background and story is different but i've had experience throughout the entire like human lifespan development so for me like to answer your question like the client i look for is someone who is willing to work and is open to change those are probably the only two things I really need to work with somebody because everything else will take care of its, itself. And then it's just being open to change. Like you might have a, you know, an injury. You might be cut from the team. You may have an obstacle that's going to block you from your goal or objective. What are you going to do? And that is just, that comes to the point where I'm just helping people not only celebrate their success and learn how to build off of their momentum, but also just understanding how to process the obstacles and then creating creative solutions to overcome them or get past them or whatever. So for me, that's my biggest thing is like client wise, are you willing to work and are you open to change? Because if I was, if we were having this conversation back when I was 18 and you told me, Michael, what do you want to accomplish in these next four to five years? I would have told you, Oh, I want to, um, and, and I was still on the team. I would have been like, Oh, you know, I want to earn my starting spot. I want to earn an athletic scholarship. I want to, you know, have a thousand yards receiving, uh, you know, 10 touchdowns in the season when big 12 player of the year, you know, win a big 12 championship, you know, blah, 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 blah. Then obviously after a couple of years of that, I would have been going to, uh, what is it, pro day. I would have been trying to get invited to the combine. I would have been, you know, uh, drafted. I would have been, you know, a professional athlete. None of that has happened for me. And that's just the fact. So for me, it's like, okay, 
I had to learn how to accept and process that. And then now, how can I excel in life in general? Not just sport, but in life in general. Now, Manswell views adversity not as a negative, but conversely as a catalyst towards success. Adversity is an opportunity to grow and develop new skills. So that way, when you look at it, it's not as intimidating because you're looking at it as a challenge as opposed to a roadblock or a setback. So for me, it's now I'm not sitting here and be like, oh, I seek adversity. I'm ready for when things don't go according to plan. But when they do, I know how to handle myself mentally, physically, spiritually, and depending on the adversity, like financially and um, you know, socially and professionally. So for me, I just look at it as a way to grow. And then honestly, one of the most useful coping strategies I've ever used is just finding, uh, finding the humor in it. But the take home message I would love people to just know is just like, you know, like with mental health, like take care of yourself, um, you know, check in with others. You never know what anyone's going through. And when you do have adversity in your life, like just remember, like, it's okay to not be okay. And I feel like that's the most impactful message I can ever say to anybody because I can motivate whoever. But understanding that mental health is not a joke. It's not something that should be shunned or discredited or anything like that because mental health dictates everything we do in life period so moving forward i just would love people to know like if you're stressed anxious um you know having negative thoughts like that's okay because you're a human and just know that just because you have those doesn't discredit your experience that made that happen. Um, you know, you might have like just a genetic factor where that's, you know, a, a reoccurrence and understanding that there's people and resources in place for you to contact, to uh, talk to, to learn about um, and just take care of yourself because like you are important. So treat yourself as is. If you're interested in Manswell's story and how hype consulting can potentially change your life, Give it a follow on Instagram at underscore hype consulting. While you're at it, give at Closer Mental a follow on Instagram and Twitter if you like what you're hearing. I'll be back next week with episode 18 when I bring on Malcolm Lemons, who tells his story of playing professional basketball overseas and details how the NCAA can better care for its student-athletes. That's all for this week's episode of Closer Mentality. I'm your host, Julia Mellett. See you next week.